0: whisper podcast Shh.
1: oh sorry
0: whisper Podcasts may contain content that may be sensitive for some listeners
1: listener, listener discretion, discretion
0: is advised that's better welcome to whisper podcast i'm one of your hosts zach tyler my pronouns are they them
1: and i'm your host dylan gomez my pronouns are also they them and this is a podcast where
0: the fine arts true crime and mental health are a thruple
1: and today we bring you episode nine uh and we're gonna be talking to this beautiful interviewee zach who who are we gonna be uh, speaking to today
0: so the last time that I asked you in our last episode, I thought it was going to be Lady Gaga, but obviously I was wrong. So I think it might be me. That
1: is correct. We are going to be interviewing our very own Zach Tyler, our host. Today we're going to learn a little bit about them. Uh yeah. So are you you how are you feeling today for, first of all? Um
0: honestly, I'm feeling really good. I am like on the lower of the climax level of my americano right now <laughs> uh,
1: oh yes no. uh, but
0: honestly it's okay because i feel like very well balanced like we're
1: gonna get the energy pumping I yes think, for this one we're yes. gonna take a little bit of a deep dive we're gonna talk about some fun topics um yes so you do you love you love your americano your little
0: love my americano so i think my love for americanos and i know this probably wasn't a question but i want to make it about me because hi um
1: so it, hi because this is your this <laughs> is your interview this is your day
0: thanks um but with americanos where i initially like discovered my love for them was when i started drinking dirty chai's so like Ooh. yeah so I remember it was like I would start off with like a double shot and then I ended up later on doing a quad shot. Um, Mm, And then, yeah, then one time I had like a double quad shot. Um, So that's like eight shots by accident.
1: By accident. I
0: promise. I promise. Um,
1: But you drank it.
0: I drank it anyways because, yes. yeah, we don't As pay, yeah, who pays $10 for a drink to not drink it? Hello? Uh, yes, Hello? a $10 dirty chai. Um, but We then, love
1: chais, <laughs> especially dirty. Especially at, dirty. In this house.
0: When we got to that point, well, when I got to that point, I'm saying we, um, but when I got to that point, um, I was like, you know what? I might as well just go the Americana route and just drink espresso with water. So, uh, Hello. that's like my go-to now. Um, yeah. And I just feel like I hate, I never thought that I would be a coffee person, but I ended up dating a barista. So, um, well, I'm actually in a committed partnership with the barista. So it's just like, of course I had to get in a coffee addiction. Coffee How could I not? Long. All day long. Of course. All long, of at course. my fingertips.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You have that. I can't wait to be that for somebody, you know? Right!
0: <laughs> You're just going to get to be their little coffee baby, making them coffee all the time. Hello? Oh, my
1: gosh. Yeah. Dylan making it about them. No. So let's <laughs> <can> jump into <laughs> one of our first questions. So I want to talk a little bit about your style, your, your goth, and your spooky and beautiful and just, like, you know, terrifying. I love it thank you
0: oh my god you know i don't think that most people would take terrifying as a compliment but i totally do because that's exactly
1: what i aim for
0: like the spookier the better
1: (laughs) gaga said like to scare them first so they can scare you exactly hello
0: so (laughs) that's how we deliver ourselves to people
1: so so what inspires your style how would you describe your style i described your style for you but you can go ahead and describe it as well i want to hear a little bit about yeah what what makes zach's style zach's style
0: you know so it all started for me when i was little so like when i was like at the age of four like i always really wanted to uh like i always looked up to like punk rock bands so like at that time it was like Green Day, I think. And it's like, I didn't even really like their music. Like, I just thought that boys in, like, rock slash metal bands were just hot. And I was just like, oh, I really like that look. I really want to be that. And, like, I remember, like, I always tried to try to find, like, a radio station that was playing rock or metal music, but I never could because literally my family only listened to, like, country music and Hispanic music and... Different things, but metal was a very, a rarity. I was one of the first, I think, when it came to metal, as far as I know. So I always liked the aesthetic that, like, these band boys had. Um, So I always wanted to, like, be that, but I guess I just never knew how. And then when I had started, I had started dating somebody in high school, and they were kind of, like, into Evanescence and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of more of, like, that goth rock kind of vibe, which, like, I loved Bring Me to Life from my kids' Bop album when I was little. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, he kind of, like, had that little bit of quote-unquote style to him. It was very, like, small, but not too much. So it kind of, like, showed me the way of, like, you know, where to get, like, certain specific things. Like, what what that aesthetic looks like. And then when I was in beauty school at the age of 16 or 15, I think it was 15. When I was in beauty school at the age of 15, um, I remember that I initially had started in the day program, but it just didn't end up working out for me. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go to the night program. Like, it sounds cool. And so then I remember, like, I walked into this classroom and, like, I'm sitting at a table by myself because my instructor told me to sit there. And then this girl looks over at me and she's, like, a goth girl, like full blown Ew. like goth like shaved eyebrows like hot red hair like dark lipstick thick liner like goth girl. goth girl um very tall very tall as well and she's like hey what the fuck are you doing over there and i was just like um <laughs> miss nelly told me to sit here she was like fuck miss nelly come sit with us and then that basically Bye. started my <laughs> that started my friendship with my first like goth friend um you know so like over time she kind of, like, showed me, like, more brands and, like, different kinds of, like, styles and different aesthetics and I just kind of, like...
1: Are you still friends with her? No,
0: I am not. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you know... Fair, fair. Yeah, yeah. but she kind of showed me the, like, where to get clothes and, like, where to get certain things and, like, what kind of things to buy, you know, to, like, kind of, like, relate to the aesthetic and it wasn't, like, oh, this is how you be goth. Like, it wasn't, like, a Mean Girls vibe. It was just, like, I just kind of picked up and, like, the more we hang out, the more, like, we went shopping together and things like that. Yeah. Um...
1: And, like, the more you kind of liked, like, something, like, she showed you, you could, would kind of incorporate it into your own passion. Exactly. Oh, yeah. cool.
0: So, cool. you know, um, later on down the line, I, once our friendship ended, I kind of, like, already had a little bit of a knowing, like, okay, this is, like, where I get things. These are the kind of things that, are like, cute. These are the kinds of things mm-hmm. that, like, fit into the aesthetic. And I don't think that there's, like, one general way to, quote, unquote, be goth. Um, I don't even know if what, how I dress is considered goth. I do, but I don't know if other people do. Um, so over time, I've just kind of like picked out pieces that I thought were cute and just so happened to be black and, uh, spooky looking. <laughs> um, and I mean, Fun. with stepping more into like my, um, non-binary identity, I feel like I've been able to be significantly more versatile with my outfits. So yeah.
1: So with your style, when did you start incorporating, cause you're Big on makeup, like I mean, you're wearing lipstick right yes. now, like you're, and you look amazing. I, I was wondering, like, when did you start playing around with makeup and wearing it kind of on a more regular basis? Um, you, we ended up, we met in the beauty industry, yes, we both did. of us, so, so we do have a little bit of like background on that. Do you want to talk about yeah, uh, your your kind of relationship with makeup and how it's evolved since you came out as non-binary and all? Yes,
0: that? I would love to actually. Um, so. My relationship with makeup started from, like, a very young age. I want to say at least the age of, like, 9 to 11. Somewhere within, like, that range. Um, And how it started is I would always steal um, makeup from my mom. So I would always take her eyeliner and just, like, put it on my bottom line. And sometimes I would take her foundation compact and... um, my mom, one of my moms, is very fair, um, and as you all know, or if you've seen pictures of me, I have a quite dark complexion. Um, not so dark, but it is on the medium to darker side, and so putting that on me, I kind of looked a little bit ghostly, but I really love the idea of playing with makeup and playing with, um, you know, just, like, eyeliner, mascara, like, those different types of things, even compacts for some reason. Um, and then, you know, eventually down the line, she figured out that I was using her makeup. She was just like, hey, so, like, we're at the store. Like, do you want an eyeliner or something?
1: Do Oh, okay. So, were you, like, just wearing it to school and taking it off before you got home? Or? No.
0: Um. So, I didn't wear it to school. I literally would just wear it, like, when they weren't home like I yeah so I would just wear it when they weren't around um because you know I was just like oh this is my little secret like I would just go into the bathroom and like just put it on and then take it off really quick you know because it felt good to put it on and take it off and then down the line like she offers to buy me an eyeliner which was my first eyeliner and I was like so excited um at this point I think I was 12 or 13 and I was in junior high and um I started like wearing it to school more. And I remember one day I thought that I could pull off wearing her foundation again. Um, and then that day I realized that I should no longer do that because um, a lot of people asked me if I was sick. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. I was just like, what do you mean? They're like, you look like a little bit pale in the face. And I was just like, no, I feel great. It's a great day. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're like, I feel fine. Yeah,
0: what are you talking about? Um, So there did come a point where I got really, really comfortable with my overall aesthetic and my makeup, and Lady Gaga had just dropped her Born This Way album, and if you look at some of the pictures from her shoot from that album, she has just, like, very thick eyeliner Mm -hmm. and just, like, black lipstick and, like, you know, is going for it, so... I had decided to pull off the same thing and I still have a picture out there, which I'm probably going to delete after I talk about this, <laughs> but there's a picture out there where I did Liberty Spikes on me, where I did like Liberty Spikes on myself, where it's like a style where your hair is like spiked up in the back. And I had really long hair at the yes. time and I did this thick ass liner. Like I just did thick ass liner and I did like a fat ass, like mole above my lip, you know, cause I thought, Oh, this is hot.
1: I just want to say that that picture is so iconic. And Wait, I, I've so shown it to you? <laughs> yes. No! Yes, it's the best thing ever. I love that picture. Oh my so God. I, <laughs> I, you know, I'll be sad to see it go, you know. Yeah,
0: it's lived its know, time from, on Facebook, eight yeah, years yeah. now. Um, <laughs> but getting into the nitty and gritty of that was, um, there's these group of girls who did not like how I looked at all. And okay. they felt the need to go and tell a proctor. So basically the proctor was able, you know, to like send me to the office to take it off, like take my hair down and take it off because I was considered a distraction. Um, and my hair was just too tall because it couldn't be above two inches apparently. So I remember I go to the office and I take it off and then the principal comes in. And he's like, so what made you feel like you wanted to dress like that? And I was just like, I don't know because I wanted to. Like, what do you mean? So I was always getting in trouble for things like that. Um, Like for either wearing like fake, uh, fake stretchers or like, you know, ripped jeans or like, you know, safety pins because I thought that was cool or like makeup or hair. So basically.
1: That's so weird. Yeah.
0: So that was really weird. Like looking back on that now and thinking about it. And I'm just like, yo, like I'm just expressing myself like sorry that y'all are fucking boring and it it was also really weird to me (laughs) that like girls told on me you know because i've i felt like girls have always been like allies to the lgbtq plus community but it's just like there's
1: there's every every kind of person out there you know and i think that maybe perhaps like i don't know these girls but perhaps like, maybe they couldn't, couldn't express themselves the way they wanted to. Maybe they're a little insecure to do that. And they saw that you were doing it. And they got a little jealous, perhaps.
0: That happens. Um, that definitely happens. Yeah. Um, But yeah. I do have a little anecdote to go with that. And this is, like, a total, like, oh, side story. And I'll continue share, on with the makeup. Please. But um, I remember... So, to achieve my Liberty Spikes, I didn't have, like, got to be glue or anything like that. Like... I oh. I had the Tresemme fucking hairspray. My mom's Tresemme hairspray. It wasn't even mine. My mom's Tresemme hairspray. And, Did
1: you use the whole bottle? Oh, <laughs> was-
0: I at least used like a quarter of the bottle. Um, so basically, okay, okay. I would just took up like these strands of hair and made them into a triangle. And I took my flat iron and I just flattened that shit out. And here I am, locked in, like, maybe, like, a six-by-four, like, fucking bathroom, like, with just all these fumes, uh, trying to achieve this thing. And I remember I was sitting in my homeroom class, and then, like, I was just sitting there, and I was just like, I feel really weird. Like, I feel really, really weird. And, like, there were some people, like, beside me, and they were just like, yo, your eyes are red. And I was just like what do you mean? Like, what do you mean my eyes are red? And then they are just like, you look like you're stoned. And I was like, no, like, I don't even smoke. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even smoke. Like, I don't know. I just feel weird. And then I told my teacher, I was like, can I go to the nurse's office? Like, I feel really weird. And then I was like describing everything that I felt to her. And she was like, it sounds like you're high. And I was just like, what do you mean? And I was, she was like, did you smoke before you came to school today? And I was like, no, like, I don't
1: even. Did you get in trouble for smoking? So get this. Even though you didn't smoke.
0: So she was like, so what I can have you do is I can have a security guard come over here and test you for to see if you're high. And if you are, you're more than likely going to get expelled from school. Or I can call your parents and send you home because you're not feeling well. And I was like, let's do the latter. Um, I'll go home. Thanks. Goodbye. Um,
1: <laughs> so she gave you the option to either get in trouble or go home. Yeah. And, I,
0: and you know, I'm very grateful that she did because it's like, girl, pff, I wish I was intentionally high and you gave me that option. Like, hello. It's like, no. Of course, I got fucking high off of my hairspray and my flat iron. <laughs>
1: That is wild. But to
0: continue on my makeup journey, from there on out, I basically just explored, got BB creams, my own color, you know, uh, added to my makeup collection. Um, and by the time that like 2017, 2018 came around, I was really, really comfortable. I was finally over, I was 18 years old, so I was finally over like working in the food industry because gross. Um, if you work in the food Mm -hmm. industry, it is not gross. The particular food establishment that I was at was gross, um. Anyways, so I was finally <laughs> able to quit my job, and that's when I then work for a uh, makeup store, and that's kind of, like, where I really, like, dived into it, because I remember prior to, I, like, went on a NYX shopping spree, because that's all I knew, is I was like, oh, well, there's NYX, and, like, you know, there's Morphe, because this is before, like, Morphe was a big thing that they were, and they were only, like for uh, makeup professionals and i mean i wasn't a makeup professional but i was in the beauty industry with like as a student so i was able to get access to those things so i only really had like morphe and nyx that was all that i had and then i remember like starting at this makeup store and i only knew nyx and i played that shit off so well because i got hired by a brand like six months later so from there my education only continued on And um, it just made me want to dabble more and more. And I, as of right now in this present day, is the only time that I'm starting to actually feel confident in like eyeshadows. But prior to like this year, I didn't really feel too comfortable with eyeshadows. So um, thanks, Quarantine, for your eyeshadow time.
1: There you go. Yeah, I mean... You practiced and you got better. I always thought your eyeshadow was really cool. Thanks. Um, Sometimes I looked a little
0: bit like a unicorn frosted donut.
1: Yes. Yes. I love that. No, and so your your specialty is eyebrows. Why did you pick the eyebrows?
0: You know... it's because I didn't realize, like, how much of a difference, like, it made to a person's face. Like, you can tell a lot about someone's eyebrows. Like, I feel like we live in the present day to where as much as you used to be able to tell about someone's lipstick color, you can tell the same thing about Mm -hmm. their eyebrows, you know? So, it's like, you can tell a lot about a person from their eyebrows and, like, you know, what that says about them, you know? So, it's like, for me, I have slightly thinner eyebrows but you know when I fill them in I like them to be filled and that's more of the reason because it's like when I was younger I was like oh let me just fucking play with my eyebrows so like I had this little razor from like a beauty store and I thought I did what was shaping them which I later came to find out that I was uh like uh, decreasing the hair in my eyebrow over time So then I was like, oh, I'll bleach them, you know, so it's like I've always just had a fascination with my eyebrows and what they could do with my face. And I remember when working in the industry, that was like eyebrows were like popping at the time, like eyebrows were like the thing where it's like everybody had like full thick eyebrows, like the bigger, the better, like statement brows were very much like a thing. And I just happened to grasp onto that. And, you know, I just still continue to believe in. Eyebrows, because I just feel like they're such a uh, significant part of your face, you know, and it's like, you can do so much with or without them. Um, and I feel like eyebrows are one of the easiest ways to create transformation, but not only that, to also build confidence within yourself or how you look. So that's why I still continue to love eyebrows. I feel like they're very empowering. And, Ooh, I yeah.
1: love that. Um, So kind of going along with like your style, your, um, like the spooky aspect, I, I had a little bit of like, like questions with with more like pop culture. So so like horror movies. I, you're always out here wearing your horror yes, movie oh my T-shirts. God. You got your Chucky shirt. that You love wearing. Um, what was the first like horror movie you ever remember watching?
0: Okay, so this is actually funny um, because first of all, I just love that you're bringing this up because last night I impulsively. Ordered a ghost face pink crop top yes! with like little knives on the sleeves. I knew. <laughs> so I'm adding to my little horror collection. Uh, I'm so excited about that. But um, the first horror movie that I actually saw was Child's oh, Play. Cool. So I remember, yeah. So I was born in 1998. So obviously, I was born a little bit after some of the Child's Play came out. And I think around the age of two. I'm gonna say from two to four maybe more than likely four, because I remember it very fondly. I um, watched The Bride of Chucky and I was just like, <laughs> yes, all of this. Yeah, it's just very like goth. Like I was living for it. Just like so goth and like it's a doll and it's like, I don't know. It, it was just so exciting for me. And then from there, I remember watching The Leprechaun. So it's like the Child's Play slash Chucky franchise and the Leprechaun franchise were both like my niches. And then like, I also had cousins who were very into horror movies as well, so I was very experienced with, like... Not very experienced, but I was, wasn't was a stranger to, like, Friday the 13th and, like, Freddy Cougar. Like, so my love for horror really started mm-hmm. off with, like, slasher films. Um, and then they eventually kind of dabbled more into, like, when I would watch, like, paranormal um, TV shows with my grandma on Lifetime late at night, like, when mm-hmm. her and I couldn't go to bed. Or, like, when... I would be at home with my mom during the day. She would just have on like some dateline, like true crime stuff, you know? So I kind of got all of the aspects of quote unquote, horror spooky when I was younger to where I just feel like it adapted into my personality later on. Um, Yeah. So child's short answer, child's play, long answer, everything (laughs) else. So for the (laughs)
1: uh, next question, Uh, I was wondering like, what is your favorite favorite? Um, horror movie and uh what's what's one that you recently watched that kind of stuck with you
0: okay so this one is really good um because uh my favorite of all time okay. is the Chucky franchise so I mean I love it so much like I even have Tiffany's tattoo for Chucky on the same <laughs> titty that she does um yes. and that's just how much I love it um I love that it's like bringing the idea of something inanimate to life and, you know, really creating a quote unquote story. Some people think it's silly. It is silly, but I've noticed like, even when I was little, like from the ages of like two to three, like I was really obsessed with Toy Story, you know? So I've always kind of had this obsession with things that are inanimate, but then have life to them. Um, So
1: I love that. Um, Did you ever like imagine your toys coming to life and all that as a child? So,
0: When I was younger, I actually lived behind a graveyard. Um, so my toys did actually come to life, quote-unquote, like Ah! Oh my god! And, like, I don't mean in the sense, like, where they walked by themselves, or, like, they were possessed by demons or anything like that. I mean, like, they literally just, like, would turn on by themselves, like, without batteries, or, like, with being on the off switch, and, like, you know, I believe that there were, like, children's spirits that were wanting to play with my toys, and I was perfectly fine with that. Um, so,
1: yes. Yeah.
0: And then referring to your question about the most recent film that I've seen that's kind of stuck with me, honestly, Hereditary. I feel like that film was so well done and it makes you feel so weird and it makes you feel so weird that you want to go back and keep watching it, which I have done three times, maybe four times. Um, but it just stuck with me because I feel like it was so well done and it created a new idea of scary and what scary was and is um, so I feel like you know the director did an amazing job with really creating something new to kind of be scared of yeah. and
1: the actors too yeah. they, they were so good such great actors
0: that it was terrifying and it stuck with me so I feel like because honestly before that I was just like nothing good is coming out you know like yeah, I didn't I, was thinking that, I didn't yeah. even like the new child's play movie like I was not a fan of that I was like is this you're laughing at my childhood hello um <laughs> but i just like that movie was so well done and i think that he did an amazing job with creating that film and then it's like if you haven't seen it and you're a scary movie person i always have to rec- that's like my first recommendation like
1: i love that, that movie one. too um uh, uh, f- have you seen midsummer
0: have i seen midsummer hello
1: very good as well
0: oh my god like even in the first like 20 minutes you're just like uh- but see that's why i feel like it differs from hereditary is that it's like they kind of get it out of the way in the very beginning as compared to where it's like in hereditary there's almost like this storyline of like this family and yeah. then something tragic happens
1: yes yes and then there's like a turning point okay we could talk about that movie for really like we could talk about <laughs> yes <laughs> uh you know maybe maybe some content for the uh, the Patreon. Patreon, perhaps. Yes, um, yes. Just talking about those movies. <laughs> okay, so you kind of touched on this. I want to talk a little bit about um, true crime because that is what you are in charge of in this um, podcast. So yes. you talked a little bit about how you used to watch that with your mom. What else kind of like got you so interested in true crime why do you think it's important that we need to talk about it
0: i think that it's important to talk about it is because it's like a lot of the true crime that i witnessed as a child and you know watching it on tv but also like watching documentaries watching like reenacted movies reenacted tv shows i think that a lot of the time it ended with well this person got harmed or they got their life taken away from them for x reason and that's just not fair you know like it's not fair and it's like typically if they're women if they're people of color if they're a part of the community they typically don't get justice and I feel like I've always had like empathy for people who don't get justice and who deserve you know to be served justice and to be you know talked about because it's just like If we ignore it and if we don't acknowledge what is happening in the world around us in that crime aspect, how are we supposed to control it and how are we supposed to maintain it? But also, like, how are we supposed to make a difference in that area of life, you know, where people do harm others, you know? And I think that it's important that we continue to talk about it because, unfortunately, we're still living in the day where a lot of people don't get justice that they deserve and that's so sad because it's like it's 2020 and we're literally reverting back to society's old values which are like so outdated so that's why i feel like it continues needs to continue to be a conversation like it has to be a conversation but not only that Mm -hmm. i think that something that I've really been attached to as well is like you know sometimes the people that are involved in these crimes struggle with some type of mental health issue or mental illness so I feel like I have sympathy for those people because they're looked at you know in such a bad light and such a bad stigma and like they're almost punished for how they were how their body's chemistry is and that's just so fucking unfair you know so it's like justice for those people too but also an understanding and I'm not saying that it ever makes somebody's situation valid that they harmed somebody or that they murdered somebody but better understanding the um, suspects so that way we so can, we can
1: prevent Exactly,
0: we can prevent it and we can find out how we can actually help them rather than you know this you're awful you're bad you're crazy you're mental you're psychotic like no like out with that shit like let's actually you know get to the root of the issue and let's solve it so that's why i felt like it was such an important thing to bring to the table when it comes to whisper podcasts and that's why i have so much passion for it
1: so uh you you talk a lot about mental health and you talk a lot about how much you love therapy how do you feel therapy has helped you?
0: I honestly felt that therapy helped me because it's like, I feel like I grew up in that time frame where it was still kind of weird to go to therapy. And like, there was a point where I was in junior high and I was being bullied so bullied so badly that I was just very open and honest, you know, with getting a way out, which was me telling my parents that I wanted to kill myself. Um, so... I had to open up about that to kind of leave a bad situation and you know it's like it wasn't completely a lie like I just hated going to school so much that I literally didn't want to be alive anymore and like I did things that you know weren't okay for a child to be doing you know such as like because I had I have a history with breaking my ankles so you know I know that they're like fragile so like I had the idea like what if I just continuously trip myself until like I break my ankle again you know it's just like things that I just wanted to do to be able to get out of that situation you know and it's like my whole entire life coming from the cultural background that I come from and coming just from like very old-fashioned people like mental health wasn't really understood so it's like there was nowhere for me to turn and it's like i was seen as a problem and it was always like you know why are you crying so much like why are you so emotional like you know i always got questioned on me and my emotions and it's like i was literally known as a crybaby, like when i was younger like that's what my family like that's how they used to tease me you know and like they teased me with like uh feminine uh what they thought figured to be like feminine terms and um different things like that so you know it's like my mental health only My mental health never had a chance to actually heal and get better. It only continually uh, added trauma to it. So um, I did end up seeing a therapist at the age of 13 when I did tell my parents and my counselor that I wanted to kill myself. And, you know, they put me on, like, um, distance learning or whatever. And then I saw one, and then I was just like, you know, I don't really want to be here. Like, this feels ingenuine. Like, she was just repeating my questions back to me, and I just felt like, you know she wasn't the right fit for me. And at that time, I wasn't aware that you were able to switch therapists like that. Um, So obviously I had like one single family member to confide in and that was my cousin Angela. And she really created an understanding for me, you know, but it's like with people being ourselves, there's only an extent that we're able to help with. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. So at the age of 19, um, after I had left one of my relationships, I realized, you know, like there was a lot there was a lot that I felt that I needed to handle and that I needed to bring to the forefront. Um, And a lot of that was mental health issues, and I realized that a lot of it, you know, like, came from trauma. So I had a therapist who was very supportive at the time and just, like, very, like, willing to, like, get to know me, and he listened to me. And, you know, like, I trusted him, and, like, everything just felt right. Everything felt great. Um, And I moved to Hawaii, and, like, you know, I was kind of like still communicating with him while I was out there, but it's kind of like this ideology where it's like, oh, I'm moving to a different state, so things are going to be different for me. But that wasn't the case at all, you know? So it's like not being able to physically see my therapist really affected me in a way to where it's like it just kind of felt ingenuine. And I feel like that's when our relationship kind of started dissipating. So then uh, when I got back from Hawaii, I obviously still had mental health issues. Um, And I struggled with them probably even worse over there than I did like back home. And so I came back, I ended my relationship with my therapist at that time. And then I moved to talk space and I kind of found someone who is a little bit more like with the times and is a little bit more progressive. And I feel like why I love and I value therapy so much is because especially modern day therapy as it's like, there are ways where there are people who specialize what it is that you struggle with and it's like for me Mm -hmm. my list is quite long (laughs) like I have a very long list so when I took this talk space quiz you know they literally found somebody who was perfect to me um her name is Heather I love her so much I actually haven't talked to her in a minute but she really did help me give me a lot of tools in so many areas of my life as far as like dealing with my childhood trauma, dealing with my trauma as an adult, and just, like, multiple, like, things that I've dealt with, like, for me, I felt like I've always struggled in romantic relationships, and it's just, like, she was able to help me with that, and, you know, just become more mindful, more present, really helped for me to separate my irrational mind from my rational mind, uh, acknowledging my inner child, but also, you know, like, understanding that, Anything that I did that may have not been great for myself or for the people around me, I did it because it felt safe to me. And, you know, I feel like that really helped to ground me in a lot of my life experiences. So, you know, with having this toolkit that I have now, I just love therapy so much. And I think that it's been such a great outlet for me that it's like, I don't understand how I lived without it before so
1: that that being said what are some things that you do to take care of your mind now aside from therapy so it could just be something like like how I say like give you a hug
0: yeah yeah you
1: know like something that just gives you a hug
0: yeah so I have a lot of resources that I like to uh use so one of my favorite resources would be art so I really love doing art whether it's like I like dancing a lot. (laughs) Um, I like dancing, so sometimes I'll dance. Sometimes I will sit down and I'll paint or I'll draw or, you know, like I'll decorate my home. I think that that's a form of art. I love decorating my home. Um, I love doing my makeup. And, you know, like these are kind of like little like hobbies that I have that really kind of help for me to like be mindful, but one of the things that I find that like really just kind of like centers me with myself is either uh, stretching and like you know just being present like while I'm stretching, um, and then also bike riding. You know, because I feel like any of those moments where you can just have silence and time by yourself, and you allow yourself to have the thoughts that you're having and understand that all your thoughts and feelings are valid, and it's your choice whether you act on them or not. Um, I feel like that is a moment where you start to really learn a lot about yourself and you really take time to get to know yourself. But not only that, it's just also, you know, constantly reminding yourself that something is only good or bad if you allow it to be. And, you know, you make those decisions. So, you know, there's just a lot of like little cliches, quote unquote, that I have that I keep in my back pocket that really helped me to, like, be mindful of my mental health. Um, one of my favorite ones is, uh, you know, you really shouldn't say... The things that you say um, create your reality. So, you know, it's like if you constantly guide your energy towards, like, this little, like, bad sector, if you will, like, you know, that's, that's exactly what you're going to get. And it's like every word you say, it matters, you know? So it's like, for example, I believe that I used to be... Uh, what is the word? that I used to be, like, an emotional eater. Like, I believe that I used to be an emotional eater. And, you know, over time, I came to realize, like, I believe that I'm an emotional eater because I say that I'm an emotional eater, you know? So it's like, what if I just stop saying that I'm an emotional eater, you know? It's like, let's not ignore, like, the feeling or, like, the craving or, like, what it is, but let's just not say I'm an emotional eater so I noticed that when I said that I wasn't an emotional eater anymore that kind of like was no longer a thing anymore like I
1: because you were speaking it you were manifesting exactly it
0: so exactly you know so I feel like that was like one of the biggest like cliches for me is it's like you know you create your own reality and you really speak things into existence
1: it's 100 true I completely agree uh with you on that I think that I am we both have been pretty powerful when it comes to manifesting things. And we manifest each other whenever we need each other, which I think is so funny. Oh um, my god, it's always so funny to me. <laughs> I'm just like thinking about you. Like I'm like, I wonder how Zach is doing. And then you are you send me a text or you like <laughs> call <laughs> immediately after. It's like crazy.
0: Oh, yes. I love speaking each other into existence. It's great.
1: Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your, you kind of touched on it, but your trans experience. I want to know, like, you came out really early. Um, how old were you when you first came out and how did you come out? What did, how did you go about that?
0: Yeah. So, um, I kind of, the first time I ever came out was to my cousin Angela and she was like the first person to know it was her first. And then it was my friend Vanessa in the sixth grade and i was dating someone who was like the neighbor's son friend's son or whatever and i was dating him at like the age like 10 or 11 so i knew very early that i liked the boys i really liked the boys um (laughs) but (laughs) but obviously that relationship ended and didn't last because hello i was 10 um so that was the first time i came out and then from there on out, like, I kind of just got more comfortable at school because I was just like, well, it's just me here. You know, and it's like,
1: yeah, no,
0: no one's like people are going to judge me whether they like it or not. So whatever. Um, So I was kind of open about it in school. I came out as bisexual to my friend, um, to my friend Vanessa and Angela. Um, so I came out as bisexual at a very young age, and then I think in either my late 7th grade year or early 8th grade year, I finally, like, came out to my mom, but for me, I kind of feel like everybody had, like, had known, like, I feel like everybody had known. So I'd come out to my biological mom, and basically how I came out to her was like, oh, there's this boy that I met online, and I think he's cute. And we're not going to meet in person, but we have a cute little, like, online relationship or whatever. And then she was like, okay, like, just as long as, like, you don't, as long as you're safe and, like, you don't do anything to, like, harm yourself and, like, you know, you just be careful. Like, that's all that I want from you. And then I told my other mom and she was like, you know, I knew, like, when I bought you that eyeliner, like, we had always, like, kind of known. And, like, you know, I even went to your mom saying, like, you know, I think that they might be gay you know because it's like at that time mm-hmm. if you were born male you could only be gay um so you know they suspected that like i was gay at a young age but i didn't come out to them to like 12 or 13 and it's like prior to this like i was very open about like dating girls and like i did like i dated like maybe like two or three or four girls like between wow. like sixth grade <laughs> to like To like ninth grade. So it's like, you know, there were girls in between. But, you know, it was just seen that I was gay. Um,
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. Pause. (laughs) I just think it's hilarious that you for some reason had the idea that I was some kind of play playboy out here. Yes. (laughs) When in. No. When in reality, when in reality, I've never been much of a playboy It's all been you (laughs) you out here being a a play, a play, playboy bunny. Yes.
0: Um, yes.
1: Seducing all the boys and all the girls. And all
0: the girls. And you know, it's like, (laughs) did I kiss them? No, not really at all. I, I I had no interest. Were we just really, Uh really good friends? Yes. Uh, yes. But to, uh, get back to me coming out, uh, the last time I came out was in, um, sophomore year and I was kinda like open about like being pansexual. So it's like from there like I had decided that I was pansexual and I kinda had like stated that like among my friend group and like my partners knew and like, you know, I was mostly openly pansexual, but during that time being pansexual was really laughed at, you know, because it's like, Oh, so you're interested in pans or like, what does that even mean? Oh, isn't that just what bisexual is? Like I got a lot of that a lot of the time. So um I basically just told people that I was gay because it was easier. Like it felt easier for me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like shut out my reality because it was fr- easier for people to understand that I was a gay boy. It
1: was better received. Or, yeah,
0: rather than if being pansexual. Exactly. Yeah. So I mostly did it for other people's uh, wants and or needs. Um, and then I opened up to my parents about being pansexual like later on like my after I was out graduated high school, like I was in college and I was going to get my beauty license. And there was like me and this girl who just like kept eyeing each other and I was just like, "Ooh, like I'm really into her," like and then she gave me her number. Like she gave me her number and it was really cute. So I came out to my parents as like pansexual and they're like, "Oh, I I thought you were gay." And I was just like, "Oh no." No, no. I was like, "It's always just been easier to say that I was gay, but no." Um so, yeah, I've come out quite a few times. Uh, the last time that I came out had nothing to do with my sexual identity and more so to do with my gender identity was as non-binary. And, you know, that was really well accepted by everybody around me. I feel like for my parents, because they still kind of live in, like, you know, the 80s and the 90s, like, and what it was to be gay then, like, even earlier than that, 70s, um, like, it was different for them, you know, than what it is now. So, it's, like, it came as a surprise to them. It's, and, you know, they just kind of asked a lot of questions, which I, I'm very grateful for. Um, and they're still, like, grasping, like, the whole they-them pronoun things. And, you know, like, proper mm-hmm. terminology when it comes to the NB community. Um, so, yeah. But everybody else was like, yeah, I could see that. You know? And it's like... Mm-hmm. Um, What really inspired me to come out was, um, well, first of all, and you know how I have, like, I love personifying inanimate objects, you know, that kind of relates to my movie (laughs) favor. Um, But I love personifying inanimate objects. So, like, a lot of my objects became non-binary to me. Like, a lot of my objects were just non-binary. Like, my car was non-binary. And, like, you know, its name is Troy. Their name is Troy. And, like, you know, my blender is non-binary and their name is Christoph. like i had things that i made non-binary because i didn't want to put a gender on them but i just gave them a name um yes and yes. so then <laughs> i had met my partner who is non-binary and they go by they them pronouns um and you know like they are just they are just amazing and phenomenal and it's like wow like they're living their truth and like you know they they look amazing so that kind of inspired me to come out as non-binary, which made me open up to everybody. And yeah.
1: <laughs> so you said that your your parents, cause they're, they're very much stuck in like the 90s and 80s, kind of, what do you think differs between your lesbian parents, um, like mindset, as opposed to yours, like a uh, much younger, you know, like you're Gen Z. Yeah,
0: yeah a Gen, Gen Z or Gen queer Zites. person. Gen Z queer person. Am I Gen Z? I'm like right in between Gen Z and... Okay, anyways, we won't go on this (laughs) tangent. But uh, to answer your question, so it's actually really funny because where my parents come from, I don't think that they consider themselves lesbian. Ah, I I apologize.
1: I didn't know the terminology.
0: You're totally fine because they also don't know the terminology. Um,
1: gotcha.
0: <laughs> gotcha. So it's like I recently referred to them as lesbians, you know, to my partner. And then my mom was like, oh, they're calling us that now. And I was just like, yeah, like I'm saying it how I see it. But it's like they've never said, they've never identified with it, like specifically. Um, so I don't really know uh, one time my mom made a joke and I just told Zach this joke the other day but one time my mom made a joke at a family party where she was like oh like I'm not bisexual I'm trisexual I'll try anything and then I was just like what? <laughs> I just remembered that <laughs> so <laughs> i had to share that so i don't know what their sexual identity is to be quite honest but i do know that they've been partnered for like the past 23 years gotcha yeah but what kind of like where they kind of come from is it like wasn't really the normal thing like during this time like as society seen it was man and woman and you lived together and it's like if you were gay they were your roommate you know it's like, Mm -hmm. like they were your roommate like they were your friend like people weren't so like open about their sexuality then. So, you know, like, it was kind of... Just...
1: Or them being, like, part Exactly.
0: So it's just, like, it kind of wasn't seen as a, seen as a norm then, which is, I find to be odd, and I can't judge them for doing, you know, how they play out their relationship because, you know, you do what feels safe to you. But part of the reason why I don't understand why is because, you know, like, they have, like, a very... From what I know, at least on my biological mom's side, a very accepting family. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. like there were other queer people in our family, like openly, you know, but it's like I guess my mom just didn't feel safe with that. I don't really know. Um I can't speak for her, but they kind of have always been just like, you know, on the down low, like it's kinda of like hush hush. Like there's really no like public mm-hmm. representation that like we're in a relationship, you know, like, you know, they're my friend or they're yeah. my roommate.
1: How do you feel, um, having two mothers has influenced your, um, like, LGBTQIA experience?
0: So, I feel like the way that it influenced it is that I didn't know, really, like, I heard things, like, rumors from my family and stuff, but it's, like, I didn't know that my parents were together until I was, like, 12 or 13. So, um, the way... So, I didn't really know that my parents were gay. Like, I just thought, like, they were not together. Like, you know, I just thought that they were friends and roommates this whole entire time, you know, but it's like I always looked up to my other mom as a mom, but um, they they were just friends at this time, so they didn't openly come out to me until I was the age of 12 or 13. So, um, I guess I can say that it really almost didn't have any influence on me. Um, just because I didn't really know gotcha, it growing up.
1: You thought they were just friends. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I thought that they were just friends. And, you know, it's like... So I kind of was able to create my own experience. But it's like, you know, my parents still kind of had these old ideologies that, like, you know, I had to kind of be hush-hush about it. Like, I had to kind of... There was a time and place almost kind of thing. And that was kind of, like, they were very accepting, but also it was, like, time and place kind of, like, down low vibe, too. But, I mean, over time, gotcha. I kind of was just like, well, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I feel like that's kind of a shitty attitude to have, but I'm very grateful that they let me have it because it allowed me to express how I wanted to, whether they liked it or not. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so why do you think... Um... Having representation in the community, having a community itself helps uh, people who are questioning.
0: I think that it helps people who are questioning because it allows them to explore the community and see different parts of it you know and it's like whether you want to put a label on it whether you don't it allows you to see the different aspects of each part of the community and I think knowing that you have it behind you is very really fulfilling because you know that there is support you know and I feel like that's one reason why I'm so grateful for like the internet and like you know social media is because it allows us to really see like what's out there and explore like either a gender identity or a sexuality. So I think that having that support behind you is so significant. And there, it just seems like there's more and more outlets each day. Like, you know, I feel like not to to our own horn, but I just feel so grateful to be like a non-binary, like trans outlet. Like, I think that that's amazing because I haven't seen that yet, you know? So it's like, just a community broadening itself everywhere in so many different like types of industries and places and art and media. It really just feels good to know that you're not alone.
1: Okay well I am super grateful that we do have um, media representation. A a place where we get a lot of it is in music. Uh, Zach, what was the first album that you ever owned?
0: So, I feel like mine kind of set out for me to be who I am today. Um, So, we all know who Miss Avril is. So, my first CD ever (laughs) uh, was... was the Avril Lavigne Let Go CD. I was, like, so emotional. That one song about, like, uh, her in the rain and it being a damn cold night, like, that was my tea at the time. Skater Boy, I knew that I wanted to be with the Skater Boy when I, like, grew up. Like, you know, just so many different types of things. So I feel like that really kind of helped to influence my identity and, like, because it was one of my first albums, but also alongside that, I had a Shania Twain album so I don't know if you know who Shania Twain is okay great but I didn't know that she was a gay icon up until I grew up or a queer icon up until I grew up because I just remember like being little like four years old and like having my little cd Uh player and like my little over-the-head headphones like uh airpods weren't a thing yet and um I was listening to that song, "Man a Fee Lack like Woman." Yes. Like that one, like, I would just <laughs> sing that song all the time. Like, that was my jam. And she has a lot of other ones that I feel like really set out my values, like for life. You yes. know, where it's like, yes. I can be late, but you better show up on time. Like, kind of vibe, you know? Yes, like, empowering. Yes. Uh, empowering. You know, she was just like a feminist, and I loved it. Um, so yeah, so that th- that album came from um, my cousin Angela. She recommended it for me when I was like four years old and I was like <laughs> wearing like these little like Tigger overalls and like a little yellow t-shirt underneath. Yes. Um And then the Shania Twain came from my parents.
1: How old was, how old was your cousin Angela? Uh, at like the
0: time describing? of me being four, she was 13.
1: Oh, okay. So she is a little older than you.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there was a really huge age gap, but it's just like, you know, we've always been connected um, during that. So, during that time of my childhood, and then yeah.
1: Cute. So, is there a song or or an artist right now that you just have on repeat that you can like listen to all day long?
0: <gasps> Two songs right now. I can give you three songs actually. actually so it started it off. <laughs> it started off with nine one one. I really mm-hmm. liked 911 when it first came out. I know I sound cliche, but I really liked 911 when it came out. And then when the music video came out, I just wanted to keep listening to it so I can see the visuals like in my head. And then I watched the MTV Music Awards and um, Miley Cyrus. That was the first time I think I heard Midnight Sky. No, no, no. I listened to the song before and I was like, "This is a good song, I think." And then I saw her. Uh, VMA performance and I was like oh my god like I just love it so those two songs fully playing on repeat and then most recently Melanie Martinez is like coming out of her little shell her little cave and she just came out with a song called The Bakery and like it's kind of like fun and dancing and cute and um yeah so those are my three songs like on repeat right now there's not one day that I don't listen to them.
1: I love that <laughs> so um I had to have you watched the performance that um miley cyrus did on i, I heart radio the music festival oh my gosh she <gasps> does a no. cover to a uh, heart of glass and i think you would eat-
0: <gasps> by blondie you
1: would eat that up you would love that okay
0: so remember how i told you that i saw the bride of chucky when i was like four like, in that age range, yes. that's when I also first discovered Blondie, and I fell in love with Blondie, and her song Call Me came on, and from there, I would always hear her songs on the radio, and I always knew when it was her. Loved Blondie from there on out. So, Miley doing Blondie, oh my god, I cannot wait to hear it.
1: So good! Her, her voice, like, fits <sighs> it really well, so I was really impressed by that. I think you'll yes. appreciate it. oh my god, I'm sure. so excited! Ah! Okay. So, uh, also, okay, so, now that you kind of, um, got like your songs that you have on re re repeat right now. Um, what are some artists that you like are really drawn to? It doesn't have to be necessarily like just their music. It could be their persona or, um, the emotion that you feel when you, um, see them or listen to them. Yeah.
0: Um, so, when I was young, I can say, like, the most significant one to me, like I said, was, like, Avril Lavigne, like, for a while before, like, you know, she kind of, like... She
1: was so skater and so Yeah, skater, like, cute. when
0: she was all punk, like, that was my vibe. Um, So, from there on out, I basically just gravitated towards, like, Lady Gaga. Like, Lady Gaga was my first one that I gravitated to, and it's just because, like, she was so weird and she was so different. And, like, she loved the community, like, from the bat, you know, and it was, like, it was kind of, like, a safe haven for me. Um, then I discovered Coco Rosie and they're really cute because they're like this feminist like girl group. Uh there's two of them. And like they do things with like mustaches and like uh masculine yeah. like vibes and like, you know, they're just so like it's very different. I would describe it as like indie alternative folk kind of vibe, but it's just like I love them because they're so different and you know in their music, they don't use, like, sometimes they don't use, like, electronic beats. Like, they'll use, like, toys or, like, you know, chains running across a can or, like, you know. So I very much love that vibe. Um, and that's someone who actually inspired Melanie Martinez, and I feel like that's why I like her. Um, but other artists would be artists like uh, Korn, um, and System of the Down and Marilyn Manson and I feel like I kind of like them you know because it's like they do mm-hmm. like as far as like corn and Marilyn Manson and maybe they don't see it like this but I see it like this is they kind of have like feminine like traits like they're not shy with their feminine side and I like that and yes. then uh, System of the Down is because they're very theatrical so it makes me feel like I could be weird like while I'm listening to like metal music but yeah those are like a lot of artists that like I gravitate towards i know it's kind of weird to go from like pop indie alternative folk to like metal but
1: no 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 no. i totally think and it makes sense i feel like all of those like you draw something different from all of them yeah. but they all really just seem to be like i i see the theme there is like really playing with gender and and gender expression and everything so i think that's that's so fun yeah and i love thank the you. fact that you have like such a broad variety of music that you uh, like dabble in, I kind
0: yeah. of yeah, like um, and it's like you know, in between all of those, like it's everything on the spectrum, you know. So it's like I feel like me personally, I'm not limited to what I listen to, so gotcha. I really have a lot of fun when it comes to music.
1: So you recently uh, moved in with your partner. I want to talk a little uh, bit about. I did. So your name is Zach. Yes. And your partner's name is Zach. Yes. <laughs> and you have a Zach Armin.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: Okay. Let's chat. Let's talk about it.
0: All of these. Um. So my name is Zach Z-A-C. Their name is Zach Z-A-C-H. And then all of our plants are either Z-A-K, Z-A-Q, Z-A... Uh, no, it's X-A-Q, X-A-C, X-A-K. Like it... It's different spellings of the name Zach.
1: Of Zach.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we just play around with them and uh, have fun. And I, it kind of comes with me personifying things that don't need to be personified. But, you know, I just kind of pulled the idea that, like, when because the first plant that I ever bought, I bought it with them. And I was just like, I think I'm going to name this plant Zach. Like, I just, like, want to have, like, a mm-hmm. Zach army with you. And, you know, from there on out, it's just kind of played played on and we only continue to add to the army so uh planning to have a empire one day
1: yes yes that is my favorite thing ever when you told me i was like literally wheezing i thought it was so funny and so cool (laughs) thanks yeah it was like oh my gosh i love your plan oh that's zach with a q
0: (laughs) With the Q.
1: How do you think your partner and you both being trans affects your relationship?
0: Honestly, it's really amazing. Um, because when we first started dating, I was not trans nor non binary yet. I still identified as like a pansexual male. Um, so you know, like when I had met them and I had seen them on tinder which is where we met hi um I seen them on tinder and basically how I came across their profile was it was the day after my birthday and I my coworker took me out to lunch and then like we were driving on the way back and she was like oh like if you were to have a kind of person what kind of person would they be and I was like you know like I don't really know what that looks like. Like, let me let me scroll on Tinder. And it's like, I barely fucking use Tinder. Like, that shit was boring to me. But I was like, you know, for this special occasion, I'll pull up Tinder. So I pulled up t- Tinder and I was like, eh, swiping left, swiping left, swiping left, swiping left. Like, it was just consistent swiping lefts. And then um, I come across this person named Zach's profile. Um, so... I saw their profile, and I was like, oh, if I were to have a particular person, like, a type, if you might say, in mind, this is exactly what they would look like. And I was like, that's just so funny that their name is Zach. And my settings, I had it set to, like, uh, I think it's guys, girls, and non-binary. Like, I think that might have been a setting or something like that. They're gender non-conforming. Um, so I had that setting on. So it's, like... Um, at first, when I first saw their pictures, I didn't know that they were trans. Like, I kind of just perceived them to be as more of, like, a feminine person. But then I, like, read down and I was like, oh, like, they're trans non-binary. Like, that's so cool. Um, so, at that time, they asked me, they are like, when we started chatting, they were like, oh, my pronouns are they, them. What pronouns do you go by? And I was like, honestly, I don't really know. Um, but... I know that I identify as an alien. So, uh, yes. Work I work something with used that to answer
1: that question that way. <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember. Yes. That. Uh, they would be like, "What?" yeah. What are you? You know, you'd be like an alien,
0: <laughs> an alien.
1: <laughs> wow. Lost in the past.
0: <laughs> so that was my, uh, that was my favorite answer. So they're like, okay, like I'll work with that. So like, you know, we got it start a started chatting and like, whatever. And then, like, at the beginning of the relationship, I feel that I was very, like, nervous. And I almost felt, like, restrained. And I felt restrained because of my own conditioning and the way that, like, I was brought up to be. Because, you know, as I said, like, I was always perceived as a gay boy, you know. And it's, like, depending on the relationship, I either took on a more... Uh, nurturing role or I took on like, you know, a more submissive role or, you know, like how it would be described. So there was always these roles and there was always like these societal like conditionings that I followed by kind of. So for me, it was kind of shocking because I was like, I don't know if I'm being too much of something or if I'm not, you know, like I was afraid that I was just being either too feminine are not feminine enough or like not masculine enough like I always had like these ideologies like in my head like constantly playing in the back of my mind and I saw my partner Zach um they were just so comfortable within themselves you know and it's like they wore what they want like they did their makeup and it's like they felt confident in themselves and it's like oh my god like that's so sexy to me like I, that's so sexy to me and it's like I admire that and I love that and then it was actually when I. Uh, because they had asked me to a concert for our first date. So a couple months later, I took them to a live podcast of Wine and Crime. Um, So we went to go and see this podcast live. And like when we got back in the car, because it's called Wine and Crime, I obviously like got a little tipsy. Don't worry, I took an Uber there. And then they took me home, but I got a little bit tipsy. And I was just like, you know, I've been thinking a lot lately and I think I'm non-binary. And they're, like, yeah, like, oh, my God, like, that's so great. And they're, like, you know, like, what pronouns do you want to go by? I was, like, I want to go by they, them. Like, I was, like, this just, yes. just feels right. Like, this just feels right. So, basically, then was, like, when I stepped into it, and it was just, like, you know, it just made me more uncomfortable. And it's actually, okay, I can't jump down that area of my life. But um, I just became more comfortable with it from there on out. And, you know, everybody was very, like, widely accepting of it. And it's, like, people, like, I guess they were able to see it, whatever that means. But it's, like, you know, people saw it within me. You know, they saw that I was more, like, gender nonconforming. Um, so being slowly as a relationship has progressed, I have stopped feeling the need to fulfill these certain social ideologies and, you know, like, these constrictions that wouldn't allow me to be myself when it's just, like, you know there's no there's no boundaries like you know like and I mean that in the best way possible is that like there is no boundaries in the sense where it's like I don't feel like I have to conform to anything like I can solely and truly just like live my best life you know it's like I am living my truth and I can wear makeup when I want to I can wear skirts fishnets whatever I want when I want to and I can fully live my truth around my partner and it's just like that within itself is so fulfilling and not having to like to just be ourselves around each other is like literally one of the best things. And I think that both of us being transgender and non-binary, like we've only grown within our identities and only have grown around each other. So I feel like over time it's just turned into something really like beautiful and I love it so much because I just, we're just both unique in our own way and we get to live that. And I feel like. Oh, I
1: love that. That makes me so happy. And I love the fact that you don't feel like you have to perform some kind of role. You can just be with your partner the way you want to be with your partner. And that's that. So that's beautiful. Exactly. Thank you. I want to jump into talking a little bit about the podcast because you were the one who inspired me. I didn't really think I would ever be doing something... Where it involved me talking for a long period of time, I had a little insecurity about that. Um, but hearing you speak, yes, and you and just hearing how you spoke about it really inspired me and really drove me to want to do something like this. And yeah, so I just want to ask you a couple of questions like, what first got you into podcasting? So,
0: what first got me into podcasting is that I have this uh friend, um who, like, told me that she started listening to this podcast called uh, And That's Why We Drink. Um, So basically, the characters, not the characters, but the podcasters, uh, Christine and M. Schultz, uh, M. covers paranormal stories, and they're also non-binary and identify by they-them pronouns. And their friend Christine uh, covers true crime stories. You know, like, that was, like, my first, like, uh, exposure to true crime podcasts and you know it kind of like the spooky aspect of like the podcasting world and i before this i've never listened to podcasts like so that just really interested me and then she recommended wine and crime which is like i'm always talking about them i feel like but basically they're three friends who chug wine chat true crime and unleash their worst minnesotan accent um So it's just, like, I love listening to them, and I love, like, how just, like, blatantly out there they are, and, like, how honest they are, and it's just, like, you know, like, I just feel like by listening to them, it's really been insightful, you know, and shows that there can be, like, a way to properly, like, deliver true crime and, like, let people know about true crime, and I feel like it's honestly, like, the modern way to ingest true crime and it's like thinking about true crime comedy podcasts like you're kind of like oh how how do you blend the two and it's just like obviously i don't know how to fucking do that but it's like the fact that they do it so well was such an inspiration for me and them and one of them being non-binary and then them being women like i just i i just like i said i love women so it was really amazing for me to see true crime and (laughs) i just love women i just love women Women. they're so great But... Uh, women, we love you. Women, we love you. Uh, oh my God, yes. Um,
1: yeah. that just be the slogan.
0: Little slogan.
1: For, for podcasts. Women. We need t-shirts. We
0: love you. T-shirts yeah. now.
1: Put it on a t-shirt.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, but that's what started my love for true cri- true crime podcasting. And that's kind of like what really sparked my interest in it.
1: So when you... When you find a story... What stands out about one that makes you think, okay, I need to make this into one of the episodes?
0: I think for me, my inspiration for the episodes come for, you know, the type of person it's affecting. Um, You know, I think that it comes from things that we're experiencing in modern day, even if they're from back then, I think, you know, like this is still happening. So we have to bring this to light because it's like, obviously it hasn't gone away and we just don't know about it. Or also if it affects the marginalized or oppressed group of people is really what makes me want to bring it to light. Just because I feel as if there's not really too, like there is a lot of that out there, but I really just want to focus on giving exposure to the communities that need it. So that way we can keep a lookout and know the signs and, you know, be aware and be mindful, you know? And it's like, I just want to talk about the things that wouldn't really normally, like not normally be talked about, but it's just like the harder topics that like, it's like kind of hard to ingest. Like, I really just want to bring those to light because I know people may not have exposure to that kind of like crime or they may not even know about it. Like, you know, our episode Gay Panic Defense, like that was atrocious and it was just awful, you know? And it's like, a lot of people don't know about that. So speaking on those kinds of things is really why I get inspired by stories and bringing them to light. And you know what, the things that need to be talked about, I want them to happen here.
1: What is one message you want your audience to take away from the podcast?
0: That your voice deserves to be heard.
1: Beautiful.
0: <laughs> Regardless of what part of community you're a part of, your voice deserves to be heard. Whether it's Dylan telling their art segment, whether it's me telling somebody's story from true crime, whether it's good news, bad news, everybody's voice deserves to be heard. With an open mind Whoa.
1: is the message I want to be taken away. Okay, so that is all of my questions for Zach today. Thank you so much for being such a wonderful interviewee, for being so open with me and sharing so many beautiful, juicy details about your your person. Um, Yeah, is there a spotlight, foundation that you want to bring attention to this episode?
0: The organization that I would like to spotlight would be the Queer Art Foundation. And the reason why is because... I've always felt like an art kid, (laughs) even though it's like, it's not like visual art. I've always just felt like an art kid in so many different ways. So basically the Queer Art is a nonprofit arts organization serving diverse and vibrant community of the LGBTQ plus artists across generations and disciplines. You can find their website at queer-art.org and they have a support button where you can make a donation. So yeah, um, also thank you so much for interviewing me, Dylan. I feel like you had such great questions and I honestly just felt so comfortable to talk to you. It was like talking to you on any other day for long periods of time, um, <laughs> but I loved it. And you know, thank you just for being a part of Whisper Podcast and believing that the idea... Meant something, and that you're also just as passionate about I am. And I'm just so grateful to have you as a host on this podcast with
1: oh, me. Shucks. <laughs> oh, shucks. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, That is everything for today. Look forward to next week's episode, which is our...
0: Next week, we're going to be talking about a wonderful lady uh, that Dylan is going to be introducing to us. Her name is Miss Faith Ringgold, and you guys are honestly going to love the story that we have about her. Dylan did such an amazing job. So you guys can look forward to that episode on the 26th. We are Whisper Whisper Podcast. Podcast.
1: Bye!
0: Thanks for listening to Whisper Podcast. We're Zach and Dylan, and you can find us at Whisper Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter at Whisper underscore podcast. Visit our website and blog at thewhisperpodcast.com. Interested in chatting with us live? Send us a DM at one of the social sites or reach out at WhisperWFPodcast at gmail.com with potential interviewees stated in the subject line. Cover art by Dylan Gomez. Editing by Zach Tyler. Music by Audionautics.com. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Love the show? Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. We are a completely independent show, and if you'd like to give your support for the show and get a shout out on air with a special gift, you can find us at WhisperPodcast on patreon.com.
1: Zach and Dylan are not licensed professionals, nor do we claim to be. Podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. If you or a loved one are in need of immediate help, we recommend that you contact a licensed professional or a hotline pertaining to your needs, which can be found on our website under the Help Is Here tab.